Amen. Let's give God a hand for his goodness. Take about a minute to say hello to your neighbor. You can cross aisles. Say hello to someone this morning. Amen. Just take a couple minutes. Say hello. Say hello. Our Heavenly Father, we're grateful to you today. We are in this place just worshiping and honoring you and thank you uh, for your, your goodness and your help today. Would you bless Lord, me today, help me to be able to proclaim with boldness and clarity the very word of God. We pray that you will give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We love you. We honor you. We thank you. We give all glory to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. After service today for the prayer, um, I think we have Terry and Joan. So if you want prayer right after service, you can come right here and they're going to be in the back. It has been a real blessing being able to... Um, have a team of people praying for individuals. Today I have quite a bit of reading, and I'll be reading throughout the sermon. The title today is No Deviations, Part 2. No Deviations. A couple of weeks ago, Sister Hazel Goff called. She had a leak, gas leak in her house and was having a problem with headaches and was wondering what's going on. PG said, you have a gas leak. They had put the furnace evidently in, in the boiler room, backwards. So it was just circulating up into the vent. And so thank God that she's okay. She went to her, her um, son's house last weekend. I think she may be in a hotel now. Is she in a hotel now? But they are working on getting that taken care of. So her daughter says, so we want she, she, to, sister, I told sister, Hazel, when you, something happens, please keep me informed. Sometimes she was in the hospital, hospital for two weeks and I didn't even know a week. I said, no, 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 let me know. So she, she called me and said, I wanted to let you know. What's going on? And then she called me the next day or a couple of days later, letting me know an update. So we're thankful that she is recovering and is longing to be back at church. Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, I will be reading. It says, Paul is servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. For the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God, our Savior. First John chapter 2, verse 25. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I'll be reading other passages throughout this message. No deviations. We continue. Today I'm going to be spending time, based on the passage of Titus, talking about heaven. Everybody talking about heaven ain't going. Um, should I say ain't? Is not going? Would that be more proper? <laughs> Everyone talking about heaven is not going. So the question arises, Pastor, why do you say that? Why do you say that everyone that's talking about heaven is not going. Because the one who has their criteria 
And given the solution has been rejected by many people, many have not accepted the Lord's word. They have not accepted him, therefore they have not made preparation. Heaven is a real place. Hell is a real place. It is not a figment of one's imagination. If this earth is the staging area for where we are going to be, then it makes sense to make the necessary arrangements and preparation to be there. Because if you're going to be there eternally, it makes sense to make preparation. Well, God has never lied. So many people believe that when it comes to heaven, that God's criteria does not apply to them. I have heard too many times at funerals in different places how everybody's going to heaven. Well, if that's the case, I might as well leave the church and go do my own thing. If there is no criteria. But let me tell you this. There is criteria and the Lord has laid it out. There is no sneaking into heaven through the back door. Brother Ronnie, you need to get that. You can't go sneaking in through the back door like you used to do when you snuck out at night time. <laughs> Telling all his business. I was too scared to sneak out. <laughs> Paul makes it clear that the promise of heaven is in the eternal plan of God. Heaven is in the eternal plan of God. Like I told you two weeks ago, Paul is writing um, to Titus, and Titus had been on the island of Crete. Paul had left Titus there, and he writes this letter urging him to complete the work that he has called him to do. Wrap it up because I need you someplace else. Paul wanted Timothy to come in and to complete the other assignment there. So while Titus is going to leave, Paul is going to be sending other help there. He needs to complete the work of installing the elders, which are also called in this time bishops, and to deal with false teachers who were there, and to give direction on proper conduct to the churches. When Timothy arrived, Titus was to meet Paul in a place called Nicopolis. This is a personal letter, as I told you, that Paul writes to Titus. But at the end of the chapter, you will note that in the Greek, that the the plural you is used. So he's writing a personal letter, but when he gets to the end of the book, he says you, the plural you, meaning that Titus was to read this letter to the body, to the church. You see, at this time, because they didn't have a printing press, letters and the words were passed to different churches. One church would read it and take it in, and it would be passed on to another church. Today, many people have four, five, and six Bibles at home and still doesn't, don't read them. Got Bibles on your apps, on your phones, computers, and still won't read. Read the word. Help us, Jesus is right. <laughs> Titus is to emphasize God's grace. Again, Titus 1 and 2 says, Paul, a servant. I would dealt with that before. A servant, a doulos, a slave of God. He's an apostle, 
of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. Now look at this, verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Eternal life was a part of God's plan from the beginning. Point number one, there is eternal life in Jesus Christ alone. There is eternal life in Jesus Christ alone. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, it says this, So, when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement, listen to this, to hold fast to the hope set before us. The hope is what? The hope of heaven. Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. In the Old Testament it says, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said <laughs> and will he not do, or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? God is oftentimes compared to mankind, where man is oftentimes breaking his word. And there is a contrast that is being made when compared to God. Is God a man that he should lie? The rhetorical question is absolutely not. Or that he should change his mind? God never makes a mistake. So that when God speaks, it is always right 100% of the time. Acts chapter 1, verse 11. And said, men of Galilee, and said, the angels, if you look at that, and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The same way you're looking up watching him. You see, there are times when people are stargazing. They're just looking. They're just seeing, oh, how nice, but not making any preparation to do anything. <laughs> Let me tell you this. The disciples in this passage, after the Lord had risen, hadn't met them in Galilee, then he was taken from them on a cloud, and they were there watching, just staring. Two angels said, men of Galilee, why are you staring into the sky? This same Jesus that you saw go is coming back again. Get busy and do the work that he's told you to do. He didn't say that, but that's the implication. <laughs> when you think about what God has said, you need to understand that God is not like man, that he should lie. I, I am convinced today that when people argue with God, they are arguing from a disadvantage. And that is, they don't have all the information. God does. So when you question God, you have to understand that you come not with all of the information. God has all of the information from the very beginning. What we're trying to do is that we're trying to understand the mind of God. So when you come to God, you can't come with a closed mind. 
You can't come with the mindset, God, why did you do it this way? Why? Because he has all the information. So you're coming to God to learn, Lord, help me to understand why you do it so that I can learn more about you to worship you better. Not to try to cast doubt on who God is. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. This is the Lord Jesus talking. In my Father's house. Where is that? That's heaven. Or some say room. That's the, that's the translation. Some Bible says many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Isn't it tremendous that God has you in his mind from the very beginning? You're not some heir. You're not some heir just thrown in here. The world today tries to tell you that you are a mistake. That somehow God made a mistake in this world. He's the one that's operating this world. He's the one that made you and know how the body works. Let me throw this out to you. Even those who took the shot, those who took the COVID-19, they're trying to say, if you take this, you won't get sick. They didn't know what they're talking about. Many people still got sick. Why do I say that? Why? Because they're saying that God's body is not better than the shot. But let me tell you this. Some of the news came out recently says, well, we have to change our mind and let you know that the body has a better immune system than the shot. Than those who had received. Why? Because what God has done, there are some things that you are not privy to. Behind the scene, in the body, God has things taking place that is close to the eye. And what happens when society, once sometimes we make a statement, we got to come right back around and clear it up. Because why? God is not a man that he should lie. The Bible says that we are marvelously made. We have a great body. Psalm 139. God has made an incredible body that baffles the scientists. That's the God that we serve. God has given intelligence to mankind to be able to make and to do certain things. To make it, it's all because of him. And we need to understand that very clearly. Titus chapter 1 verse 2. Hope. That word hope. In the biblical sense of the word hope, it does not mean something um, may or may not happen. But when the Bible uses the word hope, it is the assurance that God will do what he says. Look at what it says in that particular verse. In hope of eternal life. That's the assurance that we actually have. It is a matter that has already been settled as a fact. It is not something that may or may not happen. I may start off heading to Sacramento. I may or may not get there. I may have starting to go to Los Angeles. I may or may not get there. But oh, for those who have set their hopes on the Lord Jesus Christ to be in heaven, there is a guarantee that you will be there if you follow what he says. If you have the blood applied to your very life. Hope is an assurance that God will do what he has said. Sometimes we say, well, I hope so. Because we're not sure. I hope they be there. 
We ain't got here yet. But oh, when God says you've got a hope, it's an assurance that he's going to do it. He will fulfill the promise that he has made. When God makes a promise, you can count it as already done. There's no guessing about if it's going to take place. He says it's done. The Bible says God does not lie. Right? The Cretans were known for their lying. Titus chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. This is what it says about, about one of their own, one of the Cretans. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars. Evil beasts. Lazy gluttons. That's what one of their own people have said. There's a contrast made in the Bible about our character and when we speak as compared to God. I mentioned that. God never lies, and so when God says something, it is always right 100% of the time. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Sin. What is sin? Sin is violating the word and the will of God. It is going against God. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, the free gift of God is eternal life, heaven, eternal life, in Christ Jesus our Lord. At one time, we had eternal life in the garden before sin entered. When God had already given the command that there would be eternal life, he had eternal life already available in the garden. And it was the fact that the hope that we had in what God said, the fact that it was already done when Adam and Eve sinned, it broke that relationship. It broke our ability to be able to enter heaven until God did something else to fix the problem. Eternal life, in verse 2 of Titus, was promised before the ages began. Man's sins did not prevent God his, did not prevent God's plan from still being fulfilled. Man's sin, it didn't stop God's plan from still being fulfilled. God's promises surpasses all attempts of all people and demonic influences to stop them. There's nothing and no one that can stop a promise that God has made to you. We sometimes are our worst enemy and we will sometimes get in the way of what God wants to do on our behalf. The phrase, before the ages began, literally means before times eternal. Before the ages began means before times eternal. Verse number three, and at the proper time of Titus 1, verse 3, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God, our Savior. At the proper time, at the proper time, at the proper time. Jesus came on the scene at the proper time. All of the buildup from the Old Testament was detailing the promises made by God. So we have promises made and we have promises fulfilled. Promises made and promises fulfilled. Savior, that word Savior, as it relates to God, only occurs six times in the New Testament. Savior, as it relates to God, occurs six times in the New Testament, although it appears many times in the Old Testament. I'm not going to have read these, but I'm just going to give you where they are so you can write them down for those who are writing them down and you're going to look at it on your own. 
All right, in this way, in the First <clears throat> Timothy chapter two, verse three, you will find that. Stay right there in First Timothy. It's verse uh, chapter four, verse ten. Three times in Titus, one three that we read, chapter two, verse ten, and chapter three, verse four, and then in Luke, chapter one, verse forty-seven. God's promises that were made always end in his promises being fulfilled. Remember that. God's promises made always end in his promises being fulfilled. The problem that sometimes happens is when sin enters. Do you know that you can sometimes halt God's promises when sin is right there in front? God makes a promise, but you can at times hinder the promises when God sees sin. God's making you a promise. The children of Israel, you're going into the land of Canaan. I promise that to you. Now get ready to go into the land. We can't go into the land. Why not? God is with you. There are giants in the land. God said, I can take care of the giants. Remember the Egyptians? Remember when there were the ten plagues? In Goshen, there was not one fly that buzzed through there. There was not one frog that said ribbit in Goshen. Not one. There was not one locust, not one grasshopper that ate a blade of grass. Didn't even, couldn't even take a, a chop. Couldn't even take a, a to-go container. Not in Goshen. Did you forget? Then I got you to the Red Sea. I, I took you that way. And I hemmed you in. Mountains on one side and the sea in front. What are we going to do? And the Lord told Moses, why are you complaining and crying out to me? Move on forward. Raise your staff. The moment he did, the sea backed up. Did you forget that? They went through on dry ground. Lord, not mud, dry ground. <laughs> Listen to this. The passing of time does not diminish the promise taking place as some people grow weary. Listen carefully. The passing of time does not diminish God's promises. We have looked at time in the wrong way. But the passing of time is the marker that the fulfillment is that much closer to being completed. You see, time is a way of just saying that God is going to do it, just wait. It's going to happen, and time passing just means that it's that much closer to being fulfilled. We think time is our enemy. It is not. It is a way of assuring that God's timetable is closing in. Psalm 37, fret not yourself because of evildoers. They will soon be cut off. We were just talking about that this week, Mel and I, I think what Dr. Stanley was mentioning. Fret not yourself in Psalm 37. There are some dastardly things that's happening today in the world, and you think that people are getting away with it. God sees what's happening. God says that he's using preaching, the proclamation of the word. Galatians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8 says, On the contrary, when they saw that I had been uh, um, entrusted, this is Paul speaking, With the gospel to the uncircumcised, that means those that were non-Jewish, the Gentiles, 
When they saw this, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, to the Jewish people, he says, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. The message of heaven, the message, the same word that God gave so that people could be saved, that lives could be changed, the same one that he gave to Peter, God, the Lord also worked through me to a different group of people. The same message. Let me just say this. You don't have a right to hold on to that which you have been commissioned to give away. I don't want them saved. Mm-mm, I want something bad to happen. They just have been messing with me. I, don't, I ain't giving them the word of God. I'll give them a piece of my mind, but not the word. <laughs> people in most cases cannot be encouraged. When they are not in a place to hear encouragement. If people are not in church, they can't hear the word of God. If people don't position themselves to be in a place to hear, they can't hear. You can't be encouraged. There are some times when you need encouragement. People say, I'm mad. I'm staying home. And you will sit there mad talking to yourself. Bridget, I am not talking about you. (laughs) I got to pause just for a second. I sometimes come to the church and I'm thinking, there's got to be two or three people downstairs. I hear voices circling. Go down the back and nobody in there but Bridget. <laughs> oh, go on, Bridget. Oh, Pastor, when you get here? I've just been here listening for a while. <laughs> Tell them, she'll act right, she'll step, hold, stand up there, paper, hold up there. Oh, there you go. (laughs) We need to remember that God has given preaching as the means to hearing the word of God. When one is in a place to hear the word of God, one can then allow the Holy Spirit to do his work of drawing people to Christ. Do you not know that it's a matter of drawing people? God has the best plan for you. He has reserved heaven just for you. you, Do you not know that on some flights you can't get on if you're not dealing with Southwest, but you can't get on unless you've got a reservation. On Southwest, you can just get on and sit anywhere. Call in early. Sometimes you may get on and say, ain't a seat. There's one seat and you can't pick it. Go sit yourself down. Don't complain about it. You should have called in earlier. (laughs) You need to make reservations. Now, here, in order for what God has prepared, how do you make reservations? Saying, yes, God, I'm a sinner. Save me. I want to be in your presence in heaven. Only God covers. Not based on what I think. And even if you don't understand it all, it's based on what God says. Why? Because he made the promise. You don't have to understand it all because there are some things that we sometimes do even when we don't understand. And I'll say this in closing. You may not understand just how all the things happen in your car when you put gas in it. But you know one thing. You need to put gas in it if you're going to get somewhere. No point sitting there arguing with the gas tank when you're out of gas. How come you ran, have dropped me stranded on the side of the road? I put gas in you last week. Shouldn't have to do this every week. 
You don't sit there arguing with yourself. I don't understand it all, how the engine may all work, but I know it gets me where I need to get to. Lord, I'm putting my trust in you. I may not understand all of the ins and outs, but I know that you made a promise, and I'm going to trust you for what you said. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you today for your loving kindness, for giving heaven, for making promises that, God, you fulfill. We are grateful to you for your righteousness. We are praising you for your holiness. And, God, may we recognize that it's the blood of Christ that covers. May we pause and stop and say, God, I may not understand it all, but I know that you saved me by your grace. Lord, I don't know you, so today I pray that you will accept me. As your child, help me to live life to the glory of God. And then help me to learn your ways. In the mighty and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's give God a glorious, thunderous hand today. Thunderous. That's not thunderous. It needs to be thunderous. Because God has made a promise to you. He deserves the praise. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. God is good, as if you didn't know it. And one day you're going to be in his presence. For those who have said yes, saying, thank God, I remember on October 2nd, 2022, at PICF, there was a message that said that God made a promise for heaven, and I said yes to him, and I remember that date, and you will remember throughout all eternity. Why? Because God made a promise to you.